It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away, back, goal! Go hey! It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to A's Cast Live as we are going to be on here for the next couple hours before we send it to A's Baseball. The A's up against the Texas Rangers and a little Texas two-step because it's on from Arlington, Texas, just outside of Dallas where you saw one of the worst football games in the history of football. It's like if I could get three and a half hours of my life back after watching Thursday night football, Tom Brady and the Dallas Cowboys, the Cowboys doing absolutely nothing and losing their quarterback. Uh, yeah, that's right next door to where the A's are going to be playing. And then it's going to be on down to Houston. Uh, a note to start out with today is a very interesting next, I mean, last 20-something days. I don't know how many games each team has. For the A's, we've got 21. But, but Blue Jays and the Tampa Bay Rays are playing a double dip today after a fiery game last night and where Bo Bichette is, you know, this is what primetime does. Primetime players do primetime things in primetime games when it matters, when it went, hey, listen, this is where we're at. We need people to step up if we're going to track down the Yankees. And today it was the Rays taking game one. They still have like 10 games. Well, going in today, they had like 10 games left against each other. But game one earlier today, it was – Tampa beating Toronto 4-2, to so a huge win for the Rays at the Rogers Center. They got game two coming up here. And you start looking, you start looking at the standings where we are right now. Seattle has the top wild card and tied now with the Rays after this game. And then you got Toronto, Baltimore just hanging in there. But right now, it's Seattle, Tampa, and Toronto. And can either Tampa or Toronto track down the Yankees for the division? That's what they care about. And in division right now, because obviously this is an early game, the Yankees have a five-and-a-half game lead 
on Tampa and a six-game lead on Toronto. So really, as it has been since the early part of this year, this is all about, let's be honest, about what the Yankees do. The Yankees handle their business, nothing to worry about. Now, if they flounder, they continue to flounder, then okay, what happens with the Rays? What happens with the Blue Jays? The good news for the Yankees is how much the Rays and the Jays are playing against each other down the stretch here. Yeah, and the Yankees are 21 and 28 in the second half. Uh, not good for the Yankees who had a That's fifth, terrible. 15 and a half game lead. What, at the end of the first half, we're going into the All-Star break, and they blew it. It's not on the five and a half, as you mentioned. The Rays ended up cutting it to, what, four, three and a half, like a week ago? Five. It was panic mode in New York because they were playing the Rays, and they ended up, I think they ended up winning the series over the weekend. Well, it's, I would say it's still panic mode. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're seven games under in the second half. I mean, where... the, J- the Jets only scored three points, and we're now taking receipts, so we'll get into that. One of the great lines, but it's still well, the panic Giants, mode. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Giants, Brian Dable going for two. The end of the game. The, hey, New York football's back, baby. Well, both teams would have to win to be back. Well, the Giants did win. But the Jets did. Oh, the Giants. It's the Giants. So, if you're going to say if New York football's back, they both got to be oh, back. Oh, yeah, they do play. Both play at the Meadowlands and wait for it, New Jersey. Last time I checked. <laughs> I've been there. Uh, I will verify it for you. It's awful. Stadium's beautiful. It's a $3 billion, whatever it is. But um, – the wind, you're out on the marshes. You're right across from New York. The Hudson separates you. And uh, the wind blows the entire game, and it's miserable. I can't imagine spending that kind of money to go to those eight games. I can verify being on the sidelines at that stadium. What's it called now? Isn't it uh, MetLife Stadium? Is it still MetLife? I think it's still MetLife. I don't. They all change. I mean, what did, what did Seattle used to be? Seattle was uh, um, T- was it the link. The link. Now it's Lumen Field. Like last night I'm watching, I'm like, oh, do they got a new name? I mean, you never know year to year what the name of the stadium is going to be. Hell, Heinz Field is no longer Heinz Field. It's a, a sleeve. I don't know how to say it. It's some insurance company from Michigan it's that not, took over. It's not the ketchup bottle anymore? No, it's a company from Mi- – you, you're telling me you couldn't get Permandy Brothers or any Pittsburgh-based company to take the naming rights? You had to outsource it to a Michigan law firm or whatever they are? I have not. Like I still see on our stuff – Whenever, like, we're playing on certain things, like whether you're, like, on MLB app or you get notes or whatever, it'll say Ring Central Coliseum. Are we? I've never even said Ring Central Coliseum. Well, we are. I mean, we have the we have the branding on the stadium, on the field. We There's nothing that we produce that says Ring Central. Uh, no, not usually. Except for the spots we play in Ace Cast Live. Really? We yeah. have spots we, we, to There's say? a Ring Central one, yeah. I've never said no I mean, one, and No use, one's ever told me I have to say it. And, and my office line that I've never once checked in my entire life with the A's uh, is through Ring Central. I don't even have an office line. I didn't know I had one either until I started getting emails about people leaving me voicemails. Hey, let's be honest. I, uh, I talk more about the A's than any human being alive. That's a fact. And I don't, have, I don't say Ring Central or do I have a Ring Central phone or do I have an office. Do yeah. we even have an office in the – Offices at the – wait a minute. The A's have two offices. The A's have an office at the Coliseum, and they got one. Technically two and a half if you count the half of the uh, uh, Oakland Arena. So we got three offices, <laughs> Jack London, half at the arena, 
in the Coliseum. Do you even call the one that costs? We'll just say we'll just. That's our main office. Let's just call those two one. That's our main office. Let's just call the arena ballpark. Let's just call one. that one. So we have two offices. We don't have a desk at one. I have a desk now. Finally, at, at the uh, Jack London. Do office. you really? You have a desk? Yeah, I'm, I, I'm in there almost as much as you are. I haven't been there. I've been there twice. God, when was last? Three time? times, I think, in the last like month or two. We're always at the Coliseum. We're here. I have. No I reason. haven't been there since the pandemic. Uh, prior to this year, I haven't had it been either. So I haven't been there since 2019. Nobody cares, but yeah. there you go. Um, do I have it? We got to get – God, you sent me a great article, and I left it. How about I give you the guests first? Yeah, give me the – who we got? So we honor Dave Stewart, retired jersey on Sunday. We have, well, Bob Kendrick, the president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, who was at the ceremony. He'll be on at 3 o'clock. And the man himself, Dave Stewart, will be here at 3.30. He told me he's in his office in Nashville. So he's – you know, he's working to get that major league team in Nashville, so talk to Stu from Nashville. Well, I got to tell you, I've been a part of a lot of ceremonies. This ceremony that happened on Sunday was really special. And kudos to the A's for really doing it right. And I, I, I don't know, everybody views things differently. Everybody takes these experiences and they mean to you different than they do other people. Now, one thing that I do know is that everybody had the reaction that this was beautiful, that this was great, that it was well done. The whole thing was just fantastic. I want to give you my experience. I wasn't able to go on the field because I had to be up in the booth to cover all the time that led us into it and throw it to Ken Korak, our MC. And then when Korak was done, I had to take it over and get it to the network and A's cast. So I'm sitting there by myself in the press box. And it really was when Tony LaRussa got up to speak. And I thought Tony was fabulous. Because what Tony did and what this really turned out to be was like a three-part ceremony. This was a ceremony to honor the great Dave Stewart, who I've made it perfectly known how I feel about starting pitching. I didn't see anybody have the nerve to come out on that day and talk about wins not mattering, all I heard was 20-game winner four straight years. I didn't see or hear a peep from anyone who wanted to say that that didn't matter. It mattered back then. But it was no one's done it since. Well, you, you know what? You know what's great? You can tell him that today to his face. Well, I never said it didn't matter to him. I just said oh, it. no, no. You can say even today because he's in baseball now. You can tell him today it doesn't matter. And see what his reaction is. He may agree with you. I doubt he will. Oh, you, if you're going to be bold and you're going to have your big opinion, you got to be able to say it to everybody, right? Yeah, I've said it to email before. And he agree- disagreed with you? Yeah. Okay, so the pitching coach disagreed with you. See, the people who actually play and are personnel and matter, see, it's the people that play fantasy and who are up in a booth who have <laughs> opinions, but the people on the field have different opinions. You mean the people that actually matter. But we'll allow you to have your big, bold opinion 
to Dave Stewart today. Why would you ruin the segment with that? Because well, I just want to. I, I I just want to hear. I don't need that platform. People who oh now we don't want it. <laughs> now we he's like a GM. He wants to have these big ideas, but when it comes to actually face the music, they run and hide in their offices. Yeah. Have you ever seen that? Hey, where's all these accountable GMs with all their data and all their Ivy League degrees and how smart they are and everybody who's old school is stupid and doesn't know and the game has passed by? Uh, how many teams, and now you got me started on this, but I'm going to go to the standings. Where are the metrics people for the Angels, Rangers, Red Sox, Ah, uh, God, I, I guess now I could say the Twins as yeah, they've folded. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Royals, Detroit. But uh, they don't even have a general manager. Uh, but they will. Miami, Washington, Cubs, Cincinnati. Keep track. That's 10. Pirates. Pittsburgh's 11. And then we go uh, San Francisco, 12. Arizona, 13. Colorado, 15. How many teams are there? Uh, 30. How many teams did I just name off? 15. So 15 of the teams that have all these smart people who have degrees and they have all these data crunchers and they're smarter than everybody else. 15 of them. Oh, I didn't even count us. 16. That's 16 teams. More than half the teams are under 500 with their smart people. How smart are you then? Well, I mean, not very if you're not winning. Well, I mean, you you told me this was this was this is this is what it's all about. What metrics? Yeah, you you said these guys. These are this is I follow these guys. I, this is where it goes. Yeah, sixteen of them are under five hundred, and there may be more by the end of the season. Just throwing it out there. I get you guys. Oh, the Twins really under five hundred. I haven't really. Sorry, yeah. excuse me. I haven't paid attention to the. I Twins didn't know folding. either. I thought they were. I thought they. They were, like were in the thick of, of the race a few days ago. <laughs> They can't beat the Yankees. The Twins are now sixty-nine and seventy. Oh, so they, yeah. I saw. By the so way, I saw. I, I'm back on track. What time is it? Two right. four. Two fourteen. This is what I got out of the ceremony. I got three things, and it's when Tony La Russa started talking. And I thought Tony was beautiful. Thought it was beautiful. I'm gonna use that word beautiful. It was beautiful to me, and I know people had tears in their eyes, and you should. I thought it was I thought it was so good when Tony mentioned he basically mentioned the 89 team. Coaches, players who couldn't be there and players who are no longer with us. And as I'm watching this, I realize we've we we've honored we've honored the three World Series teams. 72, 73, 74. We've honored them. We just honored 72. But we've done 73, 74 not that long ago. Like, we've honored them. And I just got like, this was honoring, obviously, when you want, it feels like to me, and once again, everybody is different. But it feels like to me that this was, when you honor Dave Stewart, you're honoring Oakland, too. Because Dave Stewart, Oakland's own, so proud. There's other guys. Not saying it's not Ricky's not honoring Oakland. Um, 
Ricky is honoring Oakland, but for me, it's different. I mean, Stu's the guy that's tried to buy the Coliseum. Stu's, I mean, there's been a lot that Stu has done so much in the community. Not saying no one else has. I'm not trying to judge anybody else. I'm not trying to compare anybody else. We're t- it's Dave Stewart's day. And I feel like honoring Dave Stewart is also honoring Oakland. And I feel also honoring Dave Stewart is also honoring the 1989 team. And when you have Carney and you have Steiny and you have Eck, and Big Max there, you know, down the line. And you have Tony get up there and talk about, and it was so great just to have Tony there. Because a few days ago, we had no idea whether he was going to be capable of being able to be there. It felt like a tribute to Dave Stewart, a tribute to Oakland, and a tribute to the 1989 team. All wrapped in one magical ceremony that, like, that could have just kept on going, and I would have been i I would have been cool with it. Like to hell with the game. Let let I mean I let them all stand up. Yeah, get Eck up there. Get big, I mean, what Big Mac? Did you hear the? Oh, you weren't there. Uh the Big Mac when he stood up, everybody stood up. I was watching and listening. I mean, it was electric. I mean, this fan base loves Mark McGuire, and at some point, I hope Mark. Did we put him in the hall? Is he? Yeah, Tony. Maybe it's the last time we talked to him. Twenty nineteen. I remember we talked to him. Yeah, he was going in the. He went into the Ace Hall of Fame in twenty. We've put so many guys in. Um, It's just it's time for Big Mac to come back and be around. I mean, the fan base loves you, man. They love you. You love them. They love you. Let's go. Let's get them around more. But it was just, um, it was such a feel good moment. And then the A's go out and win. You got twenty one games left. The main number is countdown is 12. We should add, you know, I didn't even think about it till now. Maybe we can actually do it during the show. Put like the number 12 right here. And each day they get a win, take that off, and then 11. Wait, it's like that. Then 10. It's like the scene from Major League where they rip off an article of clothing from the owner. Or like an <laughs> advent calendar at Christmas <laughs> yeah. where you're getting the chocolates. Yeah, we need 12 wins. 12 wins to not get, a th- get 100 losses. Also, even shoot one higher, go five five wins, and you don't won't have the worst record in Oakland A's history either. I think twelve. Yeah, you, you want to avoid you want to avoid hundred losses because sure. they've only lost hundred once. Nineteen seventy nine. Where were you? Um, negative nine years old. My dad didn't even graduate high school yet. I was nine years old, so I don't remember it. That was actually nineteen seventy nine for me as a sports fan is like. That's the first Super Bowl I remember. That's that's uh, the Rams against the Steelers. It's a great year for Pittsburgh sports. Can you name me? Vince Ferragamo. Boom. Do you know who the Steelers quarterback was? Uh, Bobby Brister. <laughs> Tommy Maddox was leading. Cordell Stewart? Uh, Franco Harris. No. Mark uh, Malone. Mark Malone would, would show up not that long after I know, that. I know. Out of? Uh was he – he wasn't – was he Pitt? No, it's Mark May. Mark Malone. Mark May was an offensive tackle. I know, but he went – but I was the double M. I was um, – That would be Arizona State. Okay, know. yeah. Um, all right, so that was the first year. And also, as Cody said, great year for Pittsburgh sports. That was Pirates-Orioles. You know what? Good on me because a lot of people see great games because you only see so many games when you're a young kid. 
because you don't have game. You know, there was. I know it's hard to believe in the '70s we didn't have MLB Network. We didn't have ESPN at the time. You did. You just the World Series was the World Series and the Super Bowl, and a lot of people become like all of a sudden there's cowboy fans everywhere. Well, because cowboys are always playing on national television. So when you're a kid, you the teams that play most nationally is where a lot of people get their fandom. Like there wouldn't be a shock because even though I kind of remember, I mean the Steelers won four Super Bowls when I was a kid in the seventies. Like, would you be shocked if I was a Steelers fan? If you really thought about it, you'd be like, well, I mean, when I was watching TV, it was always the Steelers were on. I mean, when I was a kid, I mean, in the 80s and early 90s, the Steelers weren't great. That's why I grew up liking the 49ers. But I get what you're saying. Like, that's why you said about being a Steelers fan. Yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't be shocked. I mean, plus they also have the fans travel, and they're known everywhere. It'd be different if you're like a – Miami Dolphins fan or well the Dolphins Falcons Dolphins in the seventies won a lot of games yeah. including nineteen seventy two yeah but if you're like a Falcons fan or something like that be a little different yeah I'm a New Orleans Saints fan you know when I was growing up and uh, Archie Manning like we have fans I, I have friends and you know you know one of them he's a huge ja- a Jaguars fan what have they ever done I, I don't even get me started on that. Um, because I, I know who you're talking about. And I was like, how is that pot? What, Mark Brunel? You're a big Mark Brunel fan? Like, why are you a Jaguars fan? He didn't really have a good explanation for that. But, yeah, that was 79. That was it for me, right? And then the first Super Bowl party ever went, was the Raiders? Against Dick Vermeil, San Jose State Spartan great, now NFL Hall of Famer. Dick Vermeil, former San Jose State player. Um, that's when uh, – they were able to take Harold Carmichael down and what's his name? Jaws. Ron Jaworski, the Steelers, took him down in New Orleans. So, yeah, I mean, those – you think about that era. That's the last time the A's lost 100 games. 12 more. We need to put another 12 right here. We'll do that maybe during the commercial break. We'll go – I'll just get a 12. TB12. 12th man like Seattle last night? 12th man, TB12. Who else was 12? Well, there's – um, Great number 12. Terry Bradshaw. Was Bradshaw 12? Yeah. I've started to realize that as I've gotten older, I'm horrible. I know. Numbers. You're putting me on the spot, and I'm trying to think of like what quarterbacks were number 12. I immediately think Bob of Brady. Bob Greasy? I immediately think of Brady and, and, well, and TB12. And Bradshaw. Uh, what's this? Great number 12s in sports. Like people, like I think the other day I said Stu's number was 32, 34. I don't remember anybody's number. Unless you're, unless you're a single-digit oh. number. John Stockton, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Roberto Rodgers. Alomar, Roger Staubach. Okay, first of all, if you put up a list of 1 through 100 and you said, give me Roberto Alomar's <laughs> number, you're not going, oh, it's 12. Another another Western PA guy, Joe Namath. Another, Joe Willie was 12? Another PA guy, Jim Kelly. Okay, some people know everybody's numbers. I'm sure, like Dave Feldman, knows everybody's numbers. Here's 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 uh, this is from Sports Illustrated, twelve years ago. Best athletes were number twelve. Uh, Terry Bradshaw, pretty big deal. Tom Brady, greatest ever. John Stockton, pretty big deal. Roberto Alomar, wouldn't have no clue. Dickie Moore, uh, former Montreal Canadian. Who? Uh, Jim Kelly. Jim Kelly, the K Gun. Another hockey player from the Canadians that I don't. I'm not going to butcher his Jan last name. Cor- Cornier. Yeah, something like that. Never even heard of him. Roger oh, Staubach. Ro- hey, you know who Roger Staubach is. Yeah. Captain America. Yeah, he played at Navy. 
It was a Heisman Trophy winner. Fought for our country. That's Roger Stavik, an American hero. Jerome and, Gil- I, and I hate the Cowboys. Rogers, uh, I interviewed Roger Staubach one time. I was in awe. This man's an American hero, and he's like the greatest guy ever. I For all of us who can't stand the Dallas Cowboys, you got to like Roger Staubach. Roger the Dodger. Jerome, Jerome Gilna, who would never have known that, who also played for the Penguins, the, the snake. snake, the great Kenny Stabler, the Hall of Famer, Dwight Howard, get him off, <laughs> get him off, Joe Willie Namath, greatness, wore, uh, wore pantyhose on the sidelines. Yeah, so twelve. That's what the A's need. Wouldn't it be you know? Because why does it matter now? It matters because we're already sixteen point sixteen point five percent to get the number one pick. With the Pirates and the Nats. Nats. So it doesn't matter anymore. you got to have the worst record. Or or, or, or I would be doing what, what we saw. Who was in town on Saturday? The White Sox. Who was in town on Saturday? There was a saying about him and getting the first pick in the draft. It was pretty big around here. Everybody was saying it oh. over and over and over. Suck for luck. Suck for luck. Andrew Luck was in town. He watched. As the Trojans are back, and they rolled the Stanford Cardinal. Uh, that was luck was in town. Suck for luck. There's no more suck for luck. It's now a situation to where, you know, because we're seeing all these great young players that keep coming up, and it's a lotto. So you want to be bad. If you're going to be bad, you want to be bad. You just you want to be one of the three worst, so you got sixteen point five percent. That's what you want. Yeah, Dylan Cruz is one of the guys that could be the one of the top picks in the draft. Hey, the A's need out, the A's need outfielders in the system. Yeah. I, I I don't care who it is. Well, I do care who it is, but just don't take a catcher. <laughs> Whatever you do, do not take a catcher. Uh, Whether you get the first pick, the second pick, the third pick, the sixth pick, do not pick another catcher. Do do not. If don't don't go with best player on the board. If the best player on the board at that point is a catcher, do not draft it. Shea Langoliers back in Texas. Great story, right? Made his Langoliers has shown some. The other day when he made that backhand pick and threw that seed to third, Langoliers has got some unbelievable skills. Now, one skill he's going to have to get better at is putting the uh, bat on the ball. But Langelier started out his career in Arlington, grew up in Texas, not far from Arlington, three for 12, two doubles in his first dinger. Since then, do you know what his numbers are? Not good. I know that. Seven for 47, hitting a buck 49. One dinger, 21 strikeouts, 13 games. But that, I, I'm not going to complain. I've seen enough of Shea Langelier's to know that I like him. I'm excited about him, and all of this for me is about getting his feet wet, and let me see where he is in the lineup today. He's DHing today, hitting fourth. Perfect. All of this is about just getting him ready for next season and being a major part. All these guys just Allow, they're flying on the planes. They're staying in the hotels. They're learning the big league life. You're not giving them a bite of the carrot. You're giving them a nibble. So this offseason, they go, they now know what the big league, big league lifestyle's like. Now they crave it. They need it. They want it. They're hungry. 
That's what having these guys here, it means so much. Coming up next, the word context is playing big right now. But the problem is our sport is awful with it. I want you, Cody, to look up the word context. And I'm going to tell you why baseball really struggles with it. And a player for the A's is doing something that I want to see. Can he continue it through the next 21 games to get me excited about him in the offseason? That's all coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than the Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. All righty. I got my computer back. I'm back in business and Cody has put a great show together today as I can now bring up the playbook and I can't wait to talk to Bob Kendrick president of the Negro League Museum in Kansas City yes I have been there and it is phenomenal and not only will we talk about Dave Stewart uh, when when do we officially announce the winner of the Roberto Clemente Award? I know we give it to the guy during the World Series. Let me look. Don't That's... we know before? It's already announced who wins it. That's how the guy is there. They don't have like a bunch of guys there and then announce it. Uh, I'm trying to see when when we do that. That's a good question. Yeah. So, well, also like they do specials throughout the year, so. We'll figure out what they're doing here in the fall and then into the winter at the Negro League Museum. And then the great Dave Stewart in his office in Nashville. Stu's getting a Major League Baseball team in Nashville, if you don't know that. So his legacy in baseball is going to go far beyond just a great pitcher. And I mean, in what he's done community-wise, what a great human being. But now he's going to be a baseball owner. Did you find out? I stalled as uh, long look, as I could. It looks like it's saying voting ends. Let's see. Hold on. Beginning. They'll end through the regular season on Wednesday, October 5th. The winner of the fan vote will count as one. Of the, yeah, it doesn't set the date. 
All right, did you look up the definition of context? I did. Um, what do you got? According to dictionary.com, context is the parts of a written or spoken statement that precede or follow a specific word or passage usually influencing its meaning or effect. Use in a sentence, you have misinterpreted my remark because you took it out of context. You sent me an article from Dave Schoenfeld, friend of the program from ESPN. And it is an article that is giving you through the numbers how amazing Aaron Judge has been this year. He's been amazing. He just hasn't been amazing. He's been historic. And it goes through all these metrics to explain why he's historic. And, of course... Whether you like it or not, eras are different. Players have been different. Everything's been different. Money, travel, nutrition, the whole thing about baseball for 150 years. We as humans change. It's bottom line. But no matter how you slice it, how you dice it, there's still one guy that's at the top of the heap of everything you put out there. You can take whatever mathematic equation and put it all together, and who's always at the top? There's one guy. And no, it's not Mike Trout. It's not Mike Trout. And this guy, they didn't have steroids when he played. Now, there's people that crap on a bunch of different things about when he played, but the numbers are the numbers. And no matter what's happened in life since he played – you can't take him down. You just can't. That player is? George Herman Ruth. You just can't. Also known as Babe. Like, I honestly think that there were a lot of people who wanted to take down Ruth and said, we're going to get into the metrics, and then they started doing all the metrics, and I realized, huh, Yeah, he's the best war guy. Yeah, he's best weighted runs created plus guy. He's the best. Everything you put out there, he ends up being number one. Yeah. Had a nice little career. I mean, it's like literally like I bet they thought Bonds will take him down and weighted runs created plus because this is the new Met. Oh, isolated this. Expected this. I mean, he's tops of everything. You just can't take his numbers down. The, The only knocks I ever hear about Babe Ruth, well, he didn't face the pitching the guys have now. Sure, whatever. Also, he didn't get 3,000 hits. 714 home runs, a career 342 hitter, 2,214 RBI. He did steal 123 bases, which is pretty impressive. But give him the at-bats. Uh, he had 1,164 OPS, 206 OPS plus. That's but, but give him the at-bats. The number of at-bats he had in his career, 8,399. 8,399. That means nothing to you, nor should it. Let me explain. All the other guys he, he's against, they did it in well. They were 10,000. Give me Hank Aaron's at bats, the great Hank Aaron. How many at bats did Hank Aaron have in his career? 12,364. Go back to Ruth again. 8,399. Wait, let me make sure I got that right. See what I'm saying? Make sure I got that right. Yeah, 8,399. This is why when you start doing metrics, you can't take down Babe Ruth. Give me Bonds at bats. 
Super Barry's the greatest player I've ever seen. Was it? Was he PEDs out? No question. But he was the best player I've ever seen. Should be in the Hall of Fame. It's a joke. He's not. 9,847. I mean, where do you want? Who, what, what player that didn't participate in a World War One or World War Two that you look at all time greats is going to be able to match the volume of Babe Ruth and the at-bats. Why Babe Ruth is king is because his volume so great and very little at-bats. Think of it this way. Bonds had a 182 OPS plus, which means he's 82 points above league average. Uh, George Herman Ruth, also known as Babe, that's what you call him, 206. Yep. 106 points above league average. So, in this article, the greatest players, when you come to analytics, the greatest years, by the way, are Babe Ruth and steroid guys. And now Aaron Judge. Mickey Mantle's up there with a year. Hack Wilson had a good year. We had all the RBIs. But when we start talking about this 200, you know, when you get to 200, you're a, a, a hundred over replacement players. You're, you're a freaking legend. <laughs> you're looking at McGuire. You're looking at Sosa. You're looking at Bonds. And you're looking at George Herman Ruth. Speaking of McGuire, let's see what McGuire's OPS plus was that year when he hit the when he hit 70. 70. It's the steroid guys. It took steroid guys to do... What? 216. Yeah. It's steroid. The steroid guys and Ruth. If you take this, if you take these guys off steroids, still no one sniffs Ruth and everything. So it is. But this article starts breaking guys down. It's a good article. Go read it. ESPN.com. It's about Aaron Judge once again and where this season's ranking him as an all-time great. I just want to read one paragraph. And I think this paragraph tells you everything you need to know about baseball and baseball versus our other sports. And this is a struggle, and this is what I'm going to ask Eno Saris, our national baseball columnist from The Athletic, who now comes on A's Cast Live every single week, and then we replay it on A's Cast. Friday at 3.30. Brought to you by? Fieldwork Brewing. I'm going to read you this paragraph. And I think this paragraph says a lot. And I would love to be at a Sabre conference. That would be a Sabre metrics conference. And just read this paragraph. Now, I'm reading. Now, OPS plus and weighted runs created, weighted runs created plus are hardly perfect. They don't factor in the game context of the performance. A home run with a 10-0 lead has the same value as a walk-off home run. Judge, by the way, has three of those this season. The other flaw is that both are rate statistics as opposed to cumulative. A 200 OPS plus and 575 plate appearances obviously isn't as valuable as a 200 OPS plus in 675 plate appearances. Does that make sense to everybody? What it's saying is we don't have any numbers to say 
this guy doesn't win, it matters. We just have numbers. We don't know the context of what's going on. He hits a home run. Okay, when did he do it? When the team was up 8 nothing, down 8 nothing. Did it mean something? Or was it just to an individual player, a home run's a home run, and it goes on your record, and that's great. But from a team perspective, what did the home run mean? We don't tell you if it was in a game that mattered or a game like Mike Trout's now hits seven in a row. Yay! It's great. It's cool. Cool for Mike Trout. But Angels stink. And this may be the one year, and I threw a curveball that buckled Eno a little bit, but Eno falls back on what they all fall back on. We can't determine whether a guy's clutch or not. Shohei Otani and Mike Trout both stunk when the Angels lost 14 in a row, cost them their season, and got their manager fired. True or false? True. I was going to pull up Trout's numbers because we know Otani hit 192, two home runs, four RBIs in the 14. And was 0-2 with like a 9 ERA. Yeah, I'm going to look up Trout right now when they lost 14 and see what he did. Because in the, the seven games in a row he's a home run right now, the Angels are 3-4. and four. Yeah. So it's like, oh, he's hitting seven in a row. Well, he's hitting seven in a row in games that matter to the Guardians right now. But will they matter to the Angels? I mean, they're games. Every game you want to perform well, you're a professional athlete. But right now... As an angel, you're just a you're just a stat adder. Trout, because I don't think he play, didn't play in one of the games. And the 13 games he played when they went 0 and 13 when he played, he hit 152, two home runs, four RBI. Do I rest my case, counselor? 17 strikeouts and 46 at bats. They lost 14 in a row. He hit 152. They lost four during that time. Whether he played never game or not, I'm just telling you they lost four. The Angels. We were bragging, not us, but baseball was bragging. We're finally going to get Otani and Trout in the playoffs. We're finally going to get it. It's the greatest thing for baseball. These two monsters, as D. Rowe called them today, the manager of your Olympic, not your Olympic team, but your World Baseball Classic team. These are two monsters. Well, you're two monsters. When you lost 14 in a row and got your manager fired, the guy who's like a lifetime angel, loves the angels, Joe Madden, trouted a buck 52. Otani hit what, 198? I think it was 192. 192, buck 52 and 198. Four total home runs, and I think it was six RBI. And Otani went 0-2 with like a 9 ERA in his two starts. Yeah. Well, sorry, it was eight RBI. They, had, they each had four RBI in that, four, so, in that span. So, I can say... That these two monsters, when their team needed the most, they gagged. They played bad. But baseball people don't want it. Well, yeah, yeah, now there's a lot of that goes into that. What You know, when the Yankees were falling, Judge, can't we just stick to judging these guys? Can I stick to judging these guys? Because let me tell you something. The Yankees would have lost 14 in a row. The panic that would have been going on, the national hysteria, the pressure's not there in Anaheim. They lost 14 in a row. Manager got fired. Ah, move on. But now they're out of it. Oh, Otani strikes out. Otani had five. The went like five and a third the other night. People were like, ooh. Now Otani hits a couple home runs. Ooh. Trout hits seven home runs. Ooh. Where were you when you were where were you when your team was at the top? Where were you when you were fighting to stay? in first place earlier in the season and set yourself for a summer of fun. 
One guy hit 192, the other hit 152, and the manager got fired. Everybody forgets that. So that's our problem. We have no context. We need to figure out a way. Like, we understand that in other sports, certain guys do certain things, and we call them clutch performers. We call them prime-time performers. For instance, baseball people will tell you that doesn't exist. What would Golden State Warrior people say about Klay Thompson and Steph Curry? The clutch and the winners. But in baseball, that doesn't exist. Okay. Tom Brady. He might be the most clutch athlete we've ever seen. But if he was a baseball player, they'd tell you clutch doesn't exist. Same thing with Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was very clutch also. Last time I checked, I saw those NBA Finals games, those playoff games. He sent a – he right uh, – He had a couple of big game winners against Utah. Jack Nicklaus and Tiger Woods and major championships. Clutch also. I mean – How many clutch goaltending have we seen in the NHL and the Stanley Cup playoffs? Patrick Waugh? There's, I, every year there's a clutch goalie. Every year. So – but in other sports, we embrace it. We talk about it. We love it. But in baseball, they want to tell us doesn't exist. Forget what Derek Jeter rose his game up in postseason and especially World Series play. Ah, same with Ortiz. Yeah, same with ah, Ortiz. I just that's why I want to say that's why you know Eno. I want Eno to come up, figure out. We need to figure out like how do we really judge these guys? You want me to get like MLB Network's going to break away? What time? What time do the Angels play? Uh, they're in Cleveland, so I'm assuming probably 405. Angels are breaking away for every at bat. Oh, every yeah. at bat. Because he's trying to tie Griffey, Mattingly, and who's the other one? Oh, it was, uh, I have it on here. It was a pirate. It was a Dale Long. So let me make sure I have it right here. It was Dale Long, uh, Mattingly, and Griffey. Griffey did it in 93, Mattingly did it in 87, and Dale Long did it in 1956. Cool. Great. Individual thing. Like, what does it matter? Like, it's cool, but it means nothing in the in the big picture. It's about context. Here's and, and, and you know what? I hate to say it, partner, but you contribute to it because you love it. Well, it's not his fault. How many times do we? Are we the only sport that loves to say to everybody it's not his fault? Because even like in the NBA. You can be a guy that scores points on a bad team. Hollywood Ron Harper with the Los Angeles Clippers, <laughs> if you remember back, before he'd go to the Bulls and win championships. It was amazing. Hollywood Ron Harper. You Never heard him called Hollywood. Check, check. <laughs> Playing at the L.A. Coliseum. Do you remember that? Uh, down down in uh, right next to USC, the L.A. Coliseum, that horrible arena. Well, I know what it is, but I didn't know he played it. Look up Hollywood Ron Harper with the Clippers. Go, that, go look at his basketball. I'm trying to see if that's really his nickname. It doesn't. Oh, Hollywood is on there. Ohio Flyer. Don't and don't Harp. don't doubt my my Clipper knowledge. Your knowledge of Miami University legend Ron Harper. Did not know they went to Miami University. Was well, that Miami? Is that Florida or Miami of Ohio? I don't know. You're getting away. Tell me some of the averages per year that Hollywood had. In L.A.? As the Clippers. 23, uh-huh. 19, uh, we'll round up to 20, 18, 18, and then 20. With, uh, his, he, so last year with the Clippers, he was 30. Right. He averaged 20. 
He's averaging 20 points. It's Hollywood Ron Harper. He's getting his touches. You know what you would say? People like you, Cody, and I am saying you. It's not his fault. It's not his fault everybody else is bad. It's not his fault. No. Everybody gets a trophy. It's not his fault. By the way, Ron Harper, Hollywood, loses Hollywood, goes to Chicago and wins three titles. Now he's playing on arguably the greatest basketball team of all time. What was he averaging now on the greatest basketball team of all time the three years the Bulls won the NBA title? Uh, He was in 350 games. He averaged eight points a game, 7.9. What? He was averaging 20 in L.A. He's Hollywood Ron Harper. He goes to the Bulls. It's got Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. Now he's averaging what? 7.9. But he's winning NBA titles. Yeah. You know, you know, you know what the, you know uh, someone will say is, well, when he's playing with the Clippers, and he was he was in his mid to late twenties. Now with the Bulls, he's in his early thirties. But no one's saying it. it's not his fault that the Bulls are winning championships. How bad were the Clippers then? By the way, they were I mean bad. they they weren't. I mean they weren't good. They had the number one pick how many years in a row? Thirty one and fifty one his first year there. Well, they respectable forty five and thirty seven. Forty one, forty one with the great Larry Brown, and then. 27 and 55. Their executive was Elgin Baylor. The Hall of Famer Elgin Baylor. And then, but my point is, we'll look at other sports. Like, we'll look at quarterback ratings in the fourth quarter. We can look at when you're down. There's all these things that we can look at, basketball metrics. We can see how you shoot, how you perform later in games, crunch time. We can do all that. Baseball, all you guys don't want to have that. You just want to have – a bunch of robots who accumulate stats, and you bring up numbers, and that's how you tell me if a guy's great or not. I don't know. Like, finally, it was the New York crowd who just said, hey, does anybody notice A-Rod never hits a home run after the, after the seventh inning? Or when it matters. Never hits <laughs> a home run. No, it never. It just he doesn't. It's just like, so can we get something? where we can actually, because I think I have proven a little bit, is it a small sample size? Okay. But I do think I've proven something with this Angels, with with Otani and Trout having the years that they're having, bunch of people gushing that Otani should be the MVP. I do have a 14-game losing streak, which tied their franchise record in futility. It caused their season to go down the tank, got their manager fired, I can isolate what these two guys did during that two-week period. When their team needed them the most, they failed their team. I can prove it. I've done it already with the, with with Eno and what he say. You can't really quantify. Clutch. You can't. Well, why can't we do it in other sports and we can't do it in ours? Why is our sport, why are the humans different? Why are the humans Diff- this could be the study of mankind. Why are our humans different than the other humans playing in sports? It's a great question. Because pull, I'm pulling up an example right now for you. You mentioned how everyone, Trout and Otani didn't show up. Everyone gets on Aaron Judge. Judge isn't helping the Yankees win. They're twenty and they're twenty-one and twenty-eight in the second half of the season. What Aaron Judge's numbers are in that twenty-one and twenty-eight span have to be horrible, and it's not his fault. And please, will you get him a trophy and some orange slices? Aaron Judge is hitting three fifty-three, twenty-two home runs, fifty-one runs driven in. Eno's got some explaining. And forty-eight today. games play where the Yankees are twenty-one and forty-seven in the games he appears in. Eno's got some explaining. Eno's got to explain this to us. Angels bad. Their two-star players bad. Yankees bad run, 
he's still great. Oh, his OPS was close. Is almost if you round it up, is at one thousand three hundred in that span. So can we come up with some metric for players that okay, this guy's doing it when it matters? Because we got we got so much of well, it's not his fault. And I keep you guys keep throwing the seven innings one run. How many guys lose who go seven innings in one run? Jacob Degrom in a hundred and sixty. When's the last time he did that? And how many times has that even happened? So uh, someone had a stat the other day that in like half of his starts in, in Major League Baseball, he's gone. He's given up one run or fewer, something like that. Which I I, I have to I don't think I screenshotted that, but. Uh, well, I don't think the Grom's on it this year, but hey, Framber Framber Valdez has matched Degrom on this quality start streak, and by the way, he just did it with a complete game. What's that? We still do. Uh, we still have those. Uh, by the way, is he now in the talk for American League Cy Young? I I, I think so. I think what we go Verlander, Cease, him. But context is something that we need. We need something to be able to put stuff in context, to really, to, to really understand who deserves these awards, just not stat stuffers. Because right now, I mean, isn't that what this paragraph just said in this article of analytics? They don't factor the game context of the performance. Like, look, you could tell me that a guy has a 200 OPS plus but one guy did it in 575 at bats. The other guy did it in 675. A hundred more at bats. It means he was way more productive. Yeah. But there's no context to your analytics. So can we can we come up with something that actually lets us know what it is? I mean, I'd like I would like that if they did. Okay, Bob Kendrick, Negro League Museum joins us next right here on A's Cast Live. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. I got to tell you, if you're ever in Kansas City, the Negro League Museum is awesome. 
absolutely awesome. And we'll talk to Bob Kendrick coming up here in just moments, president of the Negro League Museum. I didn't realize he worked at the Kansas City Star, a newspaper guy. Big win, by the way, for your Chiefs. Over my over my guy Cliff Kingsbury. Over uh, your Cardinals and Kyle Murray. Uh, he, someone put out a good stat. Kyler Murray is 0-47 when Call of Duty releases double points weekend. Well, it's meaning every time you – I don't play Call of Duty, but I'm assuming that means every time you do well with your kills and deaths, you get double the points or whatever. So they were joking that since that's the big thing why he doesn't study, he plays video games all the time. Oh, yeah. Maybe if he uh, checked the uh, – may, maybe if he checked the old tablet and actually went over his playbook. I mean, they did score 21 points, but they also gave up 44. Last time I checked, that's not good. Well, the the, the Kingsbury hire was a big question anyway. Like, he's failed college coach, and now you're going to make him a – And they went to the playoffs last year. You think you 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 think you think he's long for the I'm, job? I'm not out on Kingsbury yet. I'm a, you're I, not, oh wow! I'm a Kingsbury guy. You're a Kingsbury guy. Why? What's he done in his career? I remember I watched him play in college at Texas Tech. He was great at Texas Tech. What do you what 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 do you think he's? You th- I think he's a. I think he could be a great NFL offensive coach. Yeah, was, but he, but he's a head coach. He is. So yes. as a head coach, your team's got to win games. I know. Well, it doesn't help that his quarterback doesn't study, apparently. Uh, it's not he, his fault. He picked the quarterback. That's true. He did. Him he and Steve picked Kime. him. Hand-picked him. He had Josh Rosen there, who stinks, too. But Rose, is he even in the league anymore? He hand-picked him. He absolutely hand-picked him. And, yes, throughout the year, we will talk a little football. Why? Because everybody is interested. But what do you know why Bob was here for the uh, for, for Stu? I don't. I just saw him posting pictures and talking about it, and then I was like, well, let's, we haven't talked to him in a, in a long time. It's been at least a year. So um, I sent him an email to see if he was still good. I'm just waiting to hear back from him. Um, he told me he told me 5 p.m. Central, which is 3 o'clock our time. Yeah. And Ricky Henderson was there. It was great to see Carney got up and talked. It, you know, that was as, you know, Looking back on it, talking about the Dave Stewart ceremony, that was – it was like three different things. It was like honoring Stu, honoring the A's in Oakland, and honoring the 1989 team. I got that vibe. That's what it turned out to be. And I know Stu being the type of guy that he is, now that I've gotten to know Stu, having worked with him on A's pre- and post-game live, which, by the way, i got to tell him I sent my hit. Um, that's something that Stu is, Stu is, Stu is somebody that wants to include everybody, wants to make sure everybody's involved. You see why he is a great leader and why you could see how Stu is going to be a, a terrific owner. And when it finally gets announced, I mean, they can't announce anything and they can't, baseball can't give a new franchise to Nashville and Dave Stewart until the A's, until Tampa are situated. It's just a reality. But they want to expand. They Baseball wants to expand to 32 teams. There's a lot of money involved in that with these two teams. You know, becomes the expansion fee, so the owners get richer off of it. 
They've seen the model of what it can do for, for the league, what it did for the NFL going to 32, and then long-term that what, what it does for television contracts and everything. It just makes sense. Keep expanding. I don't know if that will be it. I don't know. I haven't heard of any. I haven't heard of any talks of a NFL going to thirty three, thirty four. No, nothing. Uh, thirty two is a big jump, but it's a good number. Yeah, I mean, we saw hockey just expand with the Seattle team, and with the way they changed the rules, you won't. You didn't reach the Stanley Cup final like the the Golden Knights did in their first year. Well, I don't even. God, I don't even know how many more markets you potentially could have. A baseball market is far, far different from an NFL market. They've kind of exhausted everywhere that you can go. But that's the model. Getting to 32 is the model. I mean, how cool would that be, Dave Stewart, as the managing general partner of a Major League Baseball team in Nashville, which as the A's, we should know as well as anybody – how popular the Nashville Stars were. And Nashville is a booming place. Nashville, Tennessee. People are moving there every single day. They are our own Jim Cozumar, our buddy Coz, left California to go to Nashville. A lot of people, my, uh, my niece, my wife's um, niece moved to Nashville. I, I, I know... A few people that moved from California to go to Nashville. So to move and to develop a team there, I think, wow. I mean, it's huge. And you put them in some type of, I mean, I I, got to think. I don't have the map in front of me, but just thinking about it. Like immediately you could start with like a rivalry with the Atlanta Braves. As the Braves have kind of always been like, nothing's really attracted with the Marlins. I don't know. I mean, they're really, I mean, I don't know what you do with the Marlins from a standpoint of a rivalry. Uh, but yeah, I think right there you could have kind of a natural rival. And they're going to have to figure out. And that's one of the things that I can't wait. The number one thing is I'm going to be happy for Stu because I've talked to Stu a lot about it. And I think it's going to be a great opportunity for him. And what he's going to be represent, it's going to be a, a an all-minority ownership group. It's going to be historic. It's going to be fantastic. The plans that they have, what they're going to do, they're going to help out Tennessee State, Black College, and they're going to help rebuilding a bunch of stuff on the campus. They're going to have an arena there. I know he's been talks with people like Garth Brooks, and they're going to fill that arena, let alone the baseball stadium. And then, like what we've seen with Howard Terminal, there's going to be the condos and the offices and everything. I mean, you just don't build a stadium. This is where the pro build at the Coliseum people just they cannot wrap their minds around what what people want. And I think it's because they know it's a way to really just save baseball in Oakland. It was build a stadium at the Coliseum site. It's there. You can do it. Just make it happen. But that was easy for the people who are not putting down the money and the people who don't pay for it. It's it's what you want. It's what's best what you think is it's best for what you want. 
But as Stu is going to show you in Nashville, what we're trying to do at Howard Terminal, you just don't build a ballpark and then have an asphalt stadium. That model is gone. Nobody wants that. I wouldn't want that. If I was a baseball owner and I'm plopping down X amount of whatever it is over a billion dollars, I mean, I want a return on my investment other than luxury boxes, tickets, and parking. There's a lot more that goes into it. All you got to do is look across the bay. Look what's happened in San Francisco. Go down to San Diego. Look at Petco Park in downtown San Diego. Nobody just wants to put a stadium up in a parking lot, even though that benefits you, even though that's what you want. Even you you think that's – is that the easy thing? Okay, because it's what you've always had. There's BART there. I can get there off 880, and there's all these different ways to get there. But putting – a billion, uh, investing over a billion dollars into an asphalt parking lot, I mean, the Warriors didn't want it. In the end, the Raiders didn't want it. The A's don't want it. I don't know who wants that. And at some point, people are like, Stu's going to build it, and he's going to build it. That I'm telling you, Stu's not building a stadium in Nashville in a parking lot. That's not what they're doing. I mean, you start getting into business, too, with Garth Brooks. Can you imagine that? Garth Brooks from Nashville? No, country music's in Nashville. I, I know, but I was Garth just... Brooks is in Oklahoma, from Oklahoma. Oh, that's right. Yeah, all the country people have their – their record label, their Wasn't, studios, they're all in Nashville. I think Barry Zito lives in Nashville. Yeah. Isn't Justin Timberlake, Justin Timberlake lives in Nashville? Justin Timberlake is actually from Tennessee. I don't he's know from, if he's I actually think he's from, from, from. I think he's from Memphis. But all the all the country people, all their stuff is based, like Taylor Swift, all their stuff is actually based in Nashville. JT's from Memphis. Yeah, you don't think it's going to be hard to get him involved I mean, all these there's there's a ton of like big money people that are there that Stu's dealing with, and and they're they're gonna make it happen, and I can't wait. Nashville stars, they even have merch out there. Yeah, I saw it. I saw the. I don't know if Stu had the link somewhere. If I just googled it, but you have, you can find it on their on the just Google Nashville stars, and they have merch out there. I I haven't heard anything from Bob Kendrick, so. Um, send him an email and a text, so we'll see. But Sue's coming up at 3.30. He's supposed to join us via video as well. So I am going to move on. And if he shows up, he shows. I stalled long enough, and you've typed long enough. So I'm just going to move on. Okay. All right. I'm going to ask everybody a question. And I doubt I, – Cody may have a shot at this, but – I think, uh, will you get it? I don't know. I think most people have no clue. Okay. Since the start of 2018, so that's 18, 19, abbreviated season 20, 21 to where we are today. Almost five years now. Who has hit the most home runs? Since 2018, I have hit the most home runs in Major League Baseball. Who am I? I feel like I saw this graphic. Um, it's not Eugenio Suarez, is it? 
I'm waiting for a guess. The guy is up there who you think. I'll take Suarez. Eugenio Suarez, 159. Aaron Judge, 157. Nolan Arenado, 149. Matt Olson, 146. Mike Trout, very impressive as a center fielder. 144, tied with Kyle Schwarber, 144. Thing with Trout, too, is abbreviated season. He was hurt last year, hurt this year. So I was right. It was Suarez. Yeah. Well, he hit 49 in 2019 for the Reds. Wow. So that helps. (laughs) I'm not going to hate on him because what he's doing in Seattle, uh, what he did, what he did with, um, what he did with the Reds was in a band box. Yeah, forty nine homers, and did he even get to? I mean, he like I think. I mean, it was purely in a band box. So I mean, but you gotta gotta give him credit. I don't think a lot of people would know that. But one of the reasons why I wanted to bring that up was Trout. As much as I'm gonna, forty nine home runs, one hundred and three RBI. That's not. That's not good. (laughs) That's not. That's not good. Once again. Also struck at 189 times. Once again, numbers with context. What are the context? Like, it's going to say 49 home runs. It's going to say 103 RBIs. It's going to add to whatever. What what was his OPS? Uh, Sorry. Uh, His OPS that year was 930. And what was his OPS plus, which 930 is great. uh, 131, so 31 over league average. Okay. Like, in context, you're thinking – Wow, 49 home runs, 100 RBIs. Pretty spectacular. Reds couldn't wait to get rid of him. He was he was uh uh he was in the Winker deal. He was yeah. a throw-in. Yeah. They just wanted to get the Reds wanted to get rid of him cuz the Reds knew on their team he's not a winning ball player. Think about this. In 4,000 at-bats, he struck out 1,200 times already. Oh my god. 180 this year leads baseball, 171 last year he hit 198. The year he hit 49, he hit uh, 271, but he struck out 189 times. So I do want to give Trout his due here because I did the uh, I looked at these numbers. The last seven games, Mike Trout is hitting 393, seven home runs, 11 RBIs. Can you take a guess what his OPS is? 1,187. 1,647. He's slugging over 1,200 right now. And the Angels are 3-4 and four in those games. Let's going to throw that out there because we always see these incredible stats. Like the evergreen tweet that will last forever is Mike Trout hit three home runs in a game with something along these lines, and Shohei Otani hasn't done something since uh, Tungskin Arm something. They threw out some random name and the, as the Angels lost 5 nothing to Detroit. Or 5-1 to Detroit. It was some. It was like one of the greatest t- tweets ever. You can apply to everything those guys do. But that LPS is incredible. 1,000, what was it, 600? He's got 35 home runs in 100 games. Remember, he had the bad back. He's got 35 dingers in 100 games. He's got, for all the, oh, my God, Otani is great, and he is, he's got more home runs than Otani. And he's only played in a hundred games as a center fielder. 
It's just it, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Now, what really matters is at Progressive Field is that the Angels can't win there. They've lost 18 of their last 19 in Cleveland. And Cleveland, my Guardians, who I did pick to win the Central and go to the postseason and make a run, uh, got the win last night. They're back at it today. Where both managers yesterday, both managers were thrown out without a pitch being thrown. You want to talk about how ridiculous? If you didn't see the highlights, Ron Culpa throws out Terry Francona because Francona thinks Jimenez is hit by a pitch. But really, nothing was really said. And then all of a sudden, Francona comes out to talk to him, throws him out. He goes nuts. They're going, did you see Francona? I saw the video circling on Twitter. I didn't watch the whole thing, but I saw his. Francona, like, guy who's had health problems is literally screaming an incentive, uh, not an incentive, an expletive constantly at him. Blank you, blank you, blank you. Like he's literally lost his mind. Now, at the same time, the Angels pitcher is not allowed to take a couple pitches to stay warm. Phil Nevin says, what the hell is that? He comes out. He gets tossed. The pitcher was Ryan Tapera. I saw someone say. Is it Tapera? Yeah. He gets tossed. I saw, like, as Culpa said to him uh, when Tapera was trying to ask what he goes, because I said so. That's what the umpire said to him, apparently. He gets tossed. And then Culpa later in the game gets hit in the mask with a foul ball, and he didn't even finish the game. Okay, that's odd. I didn't know about that. I knew about the Tapera. He didn't even finish the game. Wow. So you had two managers thrown out without a pitch being thrown. And then the same guy who made a travesty of this game, he gets hit and he's gone. An absolute circus. But tonight in Cleveland, we will be breaking away. I think it would. I mean, I, I'm, you know, here's the thing. It's like, okay, Trout, now all the spotlight is on you. Are you going to do it? Oh, good question. As we said earlier, all the spotlight was on him earlier this year when they were in first place and they lost 14 straight and he didn't do anything. Here we are again, all the spotlights on you. Will you make it happen? Uh, before we get to Dave Stewart, because what time are we out of here? Uh, well, 4.05 pregame, so 4. Stu told me he's going to zoom in shortly, so we got a few minutes. Does this postseason define this Dodgers run? This one right here. The Dodgers have now won 9 of 10. NL West titles, which is incredible. It's a Brave-like run where the Braves won 14 in a row. Braves only won one World Series, so they're looked at more for their failures than their successes. They still won a World Series, but they're looked at like, ah, underachievers. Is this the postseason that you look at and you say what the Dodgers do Define them as an all-time great, or they put them in the underachiever category with the Atlanta Braves. I think I texted you earlier that if they win the World Series this year, I think you put them ahead of the Braves with the run, especially what they're doing right now without. Well, be no. I mean, is that your hot take? Um, no, but I mean, of course they've they've won two, and that Braves team only won one. True. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Bob Kendrick just joined. Did he? Yeah. So we can let's get him on. 
<laughs> Bob, how are you? It's great to have you again on uh, Ace Cast Live. Well, uh, I, I apologize. I was scrambling the daughter of Tom Seaver, the great Tom Seaver, one of my favorite players as a kid. She came down to the museum. I went downstairs to greet her, started running my mouth. And, and you know what happens when I start running my mouth? Time seems to be of no essence. And I just simply forgot that I was supposed to be on this call with you guys. So please accept my apology. Uh, but it's good to see every see you both. Hey, no problem for the, the daughter of the Hall of Famer and truly one of the great players of all time from Northern California, from Fresno, California. Right. Uh, no problem. Bob, we didn't realize you were out here for Stu's ceremony on Sunday. It, it was amazing. I, and I'm so glad that I got an opportunity to come out. Stu is a dear friend of mine, a great friend of this museum. And, and a dear friend of my dear friend, the late, great Buck O'Neill. And so there have been so many connections that were made through Buck O'Neill. And I've gotten to meet some amazing people, particularly in the world of baseball, because of my relationship with Buck O'Neill and Stu is one of them. And we just fostered a great friendship through the years. And then Stu is also part of an effort that the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum has embarked on to hopefully bring expansion major league baseball to nashville and, and Stu is a part of that so to be there for his jersey retirement man it was special i'm so glad that i was able to get out to the bay and, and celebrate with him wasn't it just magical it just went off perfectly it, it really was and, and and i have to tip my cap to lonnie murray and all of those over with the ball club for what they did to pull this together i was there for the roast on Saturday night and then made our way over to the ballpark there for the well for really a very moving ceremony and then I hightailed it back to Kansas City right after the ceremony so I couldn't stay and see the game that I understand the A's won that game on, on Sunday and so I couldn't stay long enough to see the game but I was there for the ceremony and what a star-studded heartfelt yeah. ceremony Dave Stewart man we're talking about one of the greatest big game pitchers this sport has ever seen. And you could tell the admiration that his former teammates had for him. Uh, they enjoyed playing with and for him whenever he was on the mound. And you could tell, but as amazing as he was, you know, on the diamond, I think he was equally amazing as a teammate and as a human being. And you could see the ceremony embody all of that. There's no question about it. And I got the sense when Tony La Russa got up and spoke that all of a sudden we were having this moment where we're honoring Dave, we're honoring the city of Oakland, we're honoring the 1989 team when Tony got up and talked about all of Dave's teammates and the coaches and, unfortunately, the players that had passed. I just, yeah. it was just, it was like a magical moment. And, you know, you think about the greatness of Dave Stewart on the field. I, and you've touched on this and I want you to elaborate on this. We, we truly, and for a lot of the kids and who are now our young adults who may not remember, they now got to really know Stu the man and what he meant to Oakland, what he meant to the community, what he meant to the Bay Area. He was one of those athletes that used his platform to make everything around him better, and that really came out in this ceremony. That was part of the reason 
that we, a number of years ago, inducted Stu into what we call the Hall of Game. And the Hall of Game, guys, basically honors former Major League greats who we believe embodied the spirit and the signature style that made Negro Leagues baseball a fan favorite. And, and Stu really encompassed all of that. Tremendous athlete, great baseball player, fierce competitor, you know, the famous Stu Stare with that cap pulled down and <laughs> was just so menacing on the mound. And and then you get to be the you see the man off the field and he's just an entirely different human being. But you you can imagine, even for Stu, this is kind of a dream come true. Anytime that a kid comes home and can accomplish what he accomplished at home and then be able to share that with his family. And when I say family, I mean extended family. That's the entire city of Oakland. And to be such an exemplary human being and as you mentioned, to use his platform to show others how they should consider living their lives. The selflessness is what really kind of grabs you when you talk to Dave Stewart. Uh, he is as genuine a human being as I've ever met. And like I said, it was an honor for me to be there, for them to extend the invitation for me to come and celebrate with his friends and family. And so... No, it was it's a moment in time that I will hold near and dear to my heart for a long, long time. Well, as you know, Bob, I've been to the Negro League Museum in Kansas City multiple times and made sure I got over to the Jazz Museum also while I was there. And it's absolutely just a magical place. And one of the things I wanted to give you the platform, to, I know you have events that go on throughout the year. So what do you guys, if we have... You know, we got fans that watch us from all over the country now that we're on YouTube and Twitter. You know, yeah. if anybody is going to be heading to the Kansas City area, what, what do you have going on? I mean, any time of the year, it's great to go to the museum, but do we have anything special going on in the fall and in winter? Yeah, no, and we're preparing for the Buck O'Neill Hall of Fame Gala. You know, Cody, we're so excited that Buck finally crossed over into the promised land and became a Hall of Famer. 16 years after he missed by one vote. And so in November, the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum will have a Buck O'Neill, what we're calling the Thanks a Million Buck Hall of Fame Gala. And it will be a star-studded proverbial who's who in the baseball world that we think are going to come out and celebrate with us on Saturday, November the 12th here in Kansas City, big fundraising effort for the museum, and we'll use the proceeds to help finish the Buck O'Neill Education and Research Center that will be built in the former Paseo YMCA. That building is significant because that building, as you know, is the birthplace of the Negro Leagues. That is where the leagues were formed in 1920. And we're in the process of saving that old historic landmark, we're going to convert it into an education and research center in memory of Buck and thus go full circle right back to the very building that gave birth to the story that we're now charged with preserving. And it's, I think it's almost fateful that 16 years later, 
we're able to use Buck O'Neill's Hall of Fame induction, long overdue yeah. Hall of Fame induction as the platform to help his museum grow. And so when we got back from the National Baseball Hall of Fame inductions, we launched a campaign aptly entitled Thanks a Million Buck, where we're now challenging hopefully at least a million people who will donate at least one buck in honor of Buck O'Neill's induction into the National Baseball Hall of Fame as a way to say thank you for everything that he gave us and taught us about the heroes of the Negro Leagues, but just as importantly to say thank you for how he lived his life in a way that inspired all of us to believe in humanity. And so for those who might be listening to the show, if you're interested in joining this effort, and we hope you are, please visit thanksamillionbuck.com and donate at least a buck or more to help us expand the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum by finishing the Buck O'Neill Education and Research Center. Well, I can guarantee you I'll, th I'll throw in a little more than a buck and we'll make sure that Ace Cast <laughs> is represented there because that museum is one of the most special museums I've ever been to. I try and tell every I try and tell people all the time. I try to tell Bob Museum Kansas City with the World War One Museum is unbelievable. The Jazz Museum that you're right next door to. Not we we think barbecue, we think Chiefs, we think Royals. But Kansas City is a sneaky great town with museums. Yes, it is. And we're proud to be one of those unique attractions in Kansas City. And you mentioned the World War I Museum, which is a national museum, Kansas City's other national museum, the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, as deemed and designated so by the United States Congress in 2006. And that is something, Cody, that we're so proud of. You know, here's a little museum, guys, that started in a one-room office. That office wasn't much bigger as the office space that I'm sitting <laughs> in. And, and guys like the late, great Buck O'Neill and other local Negro Leaguers who were still with us at that time, they literally took turns paying the monthly rent to keep the office open. And as I like to say, keep our hopes and dreams alive of one day building a facility that would pay rightful tribute to not only one of the greatest chapters in baseball history, but as you well know, one of the greatest chapters in American history. And that's the rich, compelling, inspirational story of the Negro Leagues. And, and so it's, it's very special to go from a one-room office to now being recognized as America's National Negro Leagues Baseball Museum is, is very improbable. But so was the success of the Negro Leagues. When the Negro League started in 1920, no one gave it any chance of succeeding. Well, it would only operate for 40 years, uh, and then it would change the game. But more importantly, it would change this country for the better. And, and now the museum is here to document that story, to bring it to life, to chronicle and celebrate and hopefully inspire others to not only learn this history, but to understand how you can overcome adversity. Because that's really what this story is about. And I, I remind people all the time, it's not about the adversity that they faced. And they faced a tremendous amount of it, but more so how they overcame the adversity. You won't let me play with you in the major leagues? Okay. 
I'll create my own leaf. Yeah, there's something very American about that spirit. And that's why I say when people leave here, you leave cheering the power of the human spirit to persevere and prevail. There's no doubt about it. It it is a it's a very special place. You're a special man. Your museum's a special uh, a tribute to baseball to the United States of America. And I tell everybody, if you get to Kansas City, it is a must go. Thank you so much for your time. We got Dave Stewart waiting in the wings. Uh, let's do this again soon in the off season. Yeah, man. Please give Dave my regards, and, and, and I look forward to seeing you guys. And we will take you up on that opportunity to come back on the show great stuff take care all right guys thank you bob kendrick the president of the negro league museum truly uh it's an incredible place and if you ever get an opportunity uh dave stewart a's hall of famer and now retired number 34 forever with the oakland athletics joins us here on a's cast live and Stu, i gotta tell you sunday it was just special in so many different ways uh, and I and I talked about how everybody's going to see it differently. Just for me, honoring you is like honoring baseball in Oakland. And it was like honoring the 1989 team with Tony's unbelievable speech. Just what was the day like? Um, to try to find words for what I felt and what the day was like, I, I don't think I have them uh, to describe it. Um, it was a dream come true, obviously, for me. Um, uh, uh, I, I never thought I'd see the day that I'd be um, be honored in that way by, um, by the Oakland A's or baseball in general. And so just an unbelievable experience. And, and I'm still trying to, to, to get a grasp on exactly what it is that I'm feeling and the emotion that I'm, that I'm feeling. Yeah, I can see that. Like, it may take a long time, but I just hope you know from us looking down at you guys, it was magical. It was absolutely magical. And if you're somebody who's an Oakland A's fan and you grew up with that team and grew up with those players, I just, I just, wow. You, 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 I, I don't think you could script it any better. It was just that good. Well, definitely we, we had um... – you know, we had a, a nice group of people there, that's for sure. My old teammates, my manager, um, Sandy Alderson, Walter Haas, Wally Haas. Um, and, and even later on, I, I saw uh, I saw uh, Mr. Fisher there. And then obviously at the beginning of the day, Dave Cabell was, was, was uh, on the field as well. And so you can't ask for a better group of people, family, friends, fans, extended family. Um, it, it was just a great day. You know, when Tony got up and started talking about your old teammates, guys that couldn't be there, coaches, and unfortunately the players who are no longer with us, I, I just got the sense like, wow, this is this is like Dave Stewart honoring Dave, honoring the city of Oakland, baseball in Oakland, and like honoring the 89 team all in one what was it like for you when Tony got up there and he talked about your your old teammates and the 89 team? It's just crazy because um, and when I immediately think about our 89 team, uh, he mentioned three names that aren't here, physically aren't here, which is that's Dave Henderson, uh, Tony Phillips, and Bob Welch. Um, and those guys 
all happen to be close, close friends and close relationships to me and my family. And so um, I immediately started thinking about them. And then, you know, when you've got Gene Nelson and Kurt Young, Mike Moore, uh, Ron Darling, you know, the group of, of players that weren't there, Dave Parker, um, you know, it, it just brings back uh, the memories of, of more what we did inside the clubhouse. And quite frankly, we were great teammates and we did a lot of things away from the ballpark together, which I, I think put everything in the right place to be successful on the field. But I, I played with some great guys. You know, I think about your legacy in baseball and I've talked about it with you, whether we've done it here on this show or we've done it doing uh, NBC Sports California where, you know, it's Dave Stewart the player, Dave Stewart the coach, Dave Stewart the executive, but it's not over for you. The journey continues to go. I mean, you still, you know, the agency with the family, you've represented a lot of players, you've you've done everything but be an owner. Well, now that's going to change. I mean – a lot of people may not know if they haven't seen articles, probably hasn't been covered enough. You're in Nashville now. Tell everybody what the next step in your baseball journey is. Well, I'd like it for I'd like for it to be uh, an owner. I'd like to be an owner of a major league baseball franchise. You know, here in Nashville, um, we've got an opportunity to do that. This is probably the number one city for expansion, which. That's what we're looking at, expansion baseball. Of course, the A's have to to settle their problems with the facility in Tampa as well. But once those two ballparks have facilities, um, then Major League Baseball is going to go to a two-team expansion. And we hope to be um, the city for expansion. And obviously, I hope to be the owner of that franchise when it comes to Nashville. I mean, it will, will be a historic moment. Um, there's never been black ownership in Major League Baseball, full black ownership in baseball. Um, and then the name Nashville Stars, which is a name that we took from an old Negro League team that played here in Nashville in the 40s and the 50s. That name will be the name of a Major League Baseball team, which, once again, uh, naming a Major League team after a Negro League team, that's never happened in the game of baseball. And um, that's where we want to go with this. It is my intent to be an owner of a major league team um, sometime soon. Yeah, you think about big dreams. I mean, winning the World Series and being an all-star and being all of that, but being an owner and now having it in front of you. I'm super excited for you, Dave. And I just think about the plans and everything that you have going there, that you're going to have a entertainment venue and you're going to have that thing sold out throughout the year. And whether it's Garth Brooks or whoever it is, the people you're going to do business, you're helping out Tennessee state. I mean, this is a monster monster project that I could see how every day you get up. And this is just like one of the coolest things that could ever happen to you in your life. Well, it helps you get, it, that's for sure. And you mentioned it. Uh, we're doing it in, uh, doing it as part of an historical black college and university, uh, TSU, which um, we've been able to put together an MOU at this time that will pretty short term turn, turn into a 99 year lease, uh, which will then uh, lead to a major uh, mixed use development 
Um, the football, the football stadium is needed at TSU along with other things that, um, you know, when you're a hundred year plus college, there are a lot of things that are needed in this day and time that we have partnered with the college to do. But the North Nashville area is an area that's been left out, similar to East Oakland. And, um, you know, we plan to, to, to bring economic development here to create opportunities, uh, employment opportunities, to give kind of a facelift to the uh, North Nashville area. How much everything that you've done to this point, as I just mentioned all, I mean, I basically just mentioned your resume, right? Everything you've done from agent, front office, player, coach, you've done it all. How much are you utilizing that to help you with where you are now? Well, I do know this because I've been in every aspect of the game. I mean, the only thing I haven't done is manage a baseball team. Um, I think that the commissioner looks at that um, favorably. Um, my knowledge in the game, you know, being a part of the inner workings of how a baseball team works, you know, attending owners' meetings, general managers' meetings, winter meetings, all of that. I think has prepared me for this period of time. Yeah, it's going to be unreal, and I know there's we're, we're all waiting, and that's unfortunate. Is that is that is that just the toughest part about about knowing what this can be, what it will be, but you do have to wait. You have to have patience. That is the, that is the difficult part. Uh, you know, it's going to be you know probably a three or four year process before we even get the opportunity to be called a baseball organization. and But in the meantime, we will be doing good things, great things in the city of Nashville, North Nashville for the college, as well as the surrounding areas. You know, when I think about what you're doing now back here, you know, I wh whether it's Brody Brazil or myself and we're sitting with you doing TV, how nice has it been to kind of reconnect that way with the fan base where we get to see on TV every day breaking down the team and the organization you love. Tony, you know, I, I like talking baseball. You and I, we've sat around, we've talked baseball. We've talked different aspects of baseball. Um, and, and But the, the great thing for me is having a fan come to me and say, man, we really appreciate what you talk about on television and you give us a better understanding of the game and, you know, you and Brody, you guys look like you have a great time when you're doing it. You know, we're in a period of time when the team's not playing very well, but it's entertaining to watch you guys. and It doesn't make it so bad. Those are the things that make the job worthwhile for me, having that opportunity, one, to kind of put you in my front room and talk about the sport that I love, that I'm in love with and have been in love with for over 46 years. That is the, the, the good part of, of everything that I do there at NBC with you and Brody and Shooty and, and, and Bip. It's just great being a part of, of, of the NBC family. Yeah, and you even had great banter leaving the studio of Giants fans as you leave in San Francisco. <laughs> you know, there's a you – know, we uh, – our, our, my home when I'm in town is a place called the Hotel Via. And walking from the hotel to the studio, there's a couple of spots on the corner, eating places and drinking places. 
and the Giants are in town right now. So if I was working at this moment, I'd have to walk past those fans. And man, we have a good back and forth. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're actually classic stories. Uh, you hey, know, Stuart, hey Stewart, what about those eggs? Not doing so good now, are you? <laughs> but they always know you got them on '89. <laughs> yeah, but then you know their comeback is, well, what about all the years we did it? <laughs> so, so there's some good back and forth, but. You know, whether you want to or not, I'm a, I'm a kid that grew up on both sides of the Bay watching baseball. My first team was the Giants. My last team was the A's, and I played for the A's. And so, you know, I'm a Bay Area fan. Well, I and, and you know, being from Oakland, and I and I know whether we talked to Ricky about this or Bip Roberts or, or anybody who grew up in the city, I know how important it is for you to have the organization get its stadium. Just talk about how important it is to, to not only for your business venture, you need the A's to be healthy for Nashville to work, but also for your heart and your love, you need the A's to work here in Oakland. Well, Tony, once again, this is another topic you and I talked about. I don't think that the city understands, and when I say the city, the city council is where this thing is sitting once again. I don't think that they understand the benefit of a $12 billion development in downtown Oakland at Howard Terminal, um, how good this is going to be for the city, the revenues that will be created by this development, um, the ability to, to, to put Oakland back on the map, um, the ability to have people come across the bridge to this side of the bay, for that matter, to fly into Oakland and stay in Oakland versus flying into Oakland and going across the bridge to find everything that you want to do for entertainment and meals across the bridge. This is a tremendous project. It benefits the Bay Area. It's going to create revenue and jobs for the Bay Area. I just don't know how you missed the boat on that. Yeah, you know the insight that a lot of us don't know, and that's why I think it's big when you talk about it because you're trying to do it in Nashville. You want it to get done in Oakland, so I think it's very powerful. And I I think one of the things in the ceremony, we just talked to Bob Kendrick about this, that really came a, across. I know all these years that you've done stuff for your community, you're not doing it for recognition. You're not doing it for someone to pat you on the back. You're doing it because you care and because you got a big heart. What it mean to you, though, that we talked everything about how great you were as a player, but we always, you know, there was a lot of mention of who you are as a man and what you've done for people off the field. How much did that mean to you? Well, it means a lot. Um, you know, I received a lot as a young man growing up in the Bay Area. Um, you know, being a part of the boys' club, which is now the boys' and girls' club, you know, playing Little League Baseball, the Greenman's Field, the Royal Viejo Park, Bushrod, Fruitvale Field, Washington Park, San Leandro Ball Park. I can name all of the baseball parks that I played at in this Bay Area and across the Bay for that matter. I played Pop Warner football um, at Fruitvale, was our home field. Um, I played ONBL basketball. I mean, we played at Royal Viejo Ball Park. We played at Greenman's Field. We played, we played in so many places. If not for those opportunities, I quite frankly have no idea if I'd even be sitting here talking to you about anything other than street life and jail life. 
those things kept me out of trouble. And so my piece back to the city of Oakland has been to be a good servant to the city and good be, be a good servant to the people of Oakland, California. Well, let's just end on this. And I'm going to be totally honest because some people have asked me what it's like working with you. And it's kind of like the experience that I had when I was with the Raiders and working with Brent Musburger. You're like working with legends, right? Guys, I mean, Brent Musburger's done every big event. My God. And I say about you, I'm like, it's Dave Stewart. I mean, literally, like, I'm in high school and you're the big game pitcher. You're the World Series champion. I was a pitcher like Dave Stewart. It is like I try and tell people all the time. It's like it's hard to believe. It's like one of your idols, and now you got to act cool and like you're doing TV and everything. But it's still like I'm working with Dave Stewart. Stu, it's a big deal to work with you. I hope you know that. You know we have a good time, Tony. That's for sure. When when you're when when Brody's not there, let's put it like this: I don't miss him. <laughs> Well, that's the thing, too, about someone like Brody, who grew up in Castro Valley right down the street. I mean, he idolized you guys so much. So for all of us to work with you guys, it's something. And oh, by the way, I wish we could get more Mark McGuire. You saw the ovation he got. This fan base loves him. I wish we could. I, the fan base would love to have him around more. How nice was it when he stood up and got that big ovation? You know, I, I told Mac to his face um, Saturday night at the roast. Um, I said it in front of a, a nice crowd of people, over 150 people in the venue, probably closer to 200 people. And I said it to his face. I said it in front of those people. Mark McGuire was, in my opinion, one of the best teammates um, that I've ever had. A gentleman, um, when he was young in the game, he was quiet. He listened. He learned his lessons. And then when baseball needed him at, at its best, at its most, in the, after the 1994 strike season, he and Sammy Sosa brought this game back. They brought fans in the ballpark. They brought the cheers that were missing after the strike. Having Mark as a part of this organization, I think is a must in some form or fashion. Having him around the ballpark, I think is a must in some form or fashion. He is a part of the Oakland A's history, and he's a part of the Oakland A family. And I know Tony just being there, what that meant for you, because we had no idea, you know, a week ago we had no idea. Well, I did, but he, he kept telling me he was going to be there. Um, and we had a quiet moment for about a two-day period, so I wasn't sure. Um, but when he showed up at the roast, um, it, was, it was just so meaningful. It actually brought tears to my eyes. Yeah, very special. His speech was so special. You, you, you're an A's icon. You're a baseball icon. You know, we wish you nothing but the best with everything you got going in Nashville right now. And one of the greatest things is that you'll live forever. You're number 34, retired, and you'll live forever with the Oakland Athletics. And I know how much that means in your heart. It is. It, it's 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 the icing on the cake. Um, you know, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be able to walk into that stadium sometime soon, probably in the next week. And it's it's a totally different feel when you know. You can look up and you can see that 34 retired with my name on it. Raleigh Fingers carried that number very, very well. And I was honored that he would allow me to wear that number even after it had been retired. Um, but now it's, it's, it's retired for good. No one else will ever wear that number. And I'm, I'm just really, really proud of, of the opportunity to, to walk in a place that's been home for me and know that I'll be here, a part of this organization forever. Thank you so much for the time. You be well in Nashville. We'll see you soon.
Okay, Tony, take care. Thanks for having me on. The great Dave Stewart, Oakland A's Hall of Famer. And that was, you know, you do a lot of these, right? And I do all the Q&As with the season ticket holders and everything, and we've honored all the World Series team and the players. I did it with the Raiders, and you honor. But this one was just um, – this one was magical. There was just something about it that was just – it just was perfect. And just like that interview right there, we had the little crackling, but then somehow you fixed it. Yeah, there's a setting now. Like I was just playing around with it. There's a setting when they when they join, you can mess with their mic, and it was an echo cancellation thing. So I turned it off, and then you can. Stu's a low talker. I mean, we know yeah. that. So I just you can adjust his mic fader on there. So I did that, and I turned it off, and there we go. So I let Ray know because I'm going to be gone for the next three weeks. To so he now knows how to fix it when we have that issue with people on video. So two things on two things. One. I got to tell you, it is like every single time when I go in and do NBC and I'm doing it with Stu, there is the, oh, my God, it's Dave Stewart. I can't help it. I was a pitcher, high school, college. Dave Stewart was one of the guys, right? I mean, it was Stu. And you're just sitting there and you're like, you're talking and he's asking your opinion on stuff. And the whole time you're like, wow, it's Dave Stewart. You know, I mean, I felt the same with Jose Canseco. I feel the same way when I sat down with, with Dennis Eckersley or Ricky Anderson. I know I'm not supposed to be that kid who's a fan, but I can't help it. Like, they, like, come up, and I'm, like, supposed to be like, hey, Chris Townsend. But you're like, oh, my God, it's Dennis Eckersley. I mean, that's not, I know how I feel when I sit next to you every day. Yeah, sure you do. Uh, <laughs> who schedules their – number two, who schedules their honeymoon? Who takes a break like this during the season? Well, it worked out perfectly with the way the seasons turned out. Uh, we were originally supposed to go to Japan. You know, during the baseball season, you don't make plans like this. Uh, well, honeymoon's different. Sorry. I'm, Why is it different? I'm wired differently. Why is it different? Uh, we were supposed to go to Japan. No one takes vacation during the season. Are you sure? I've seen yeah. a lot of people take vacation. No, that works on the broadcast. You're around the broadcast. You're not supposed to leave until Someone after get me season. Ken Korak on the phone. No, 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 no. Those are rest days. That's not vacation. He's not going to Maui. He might be uh, playing golf with me, but that's a whole nother, whole nother ball. And even don't even try and throw the Masters at me. And let me tell you why you Yeah, can't. you were not you weren't even here for opening day. That I was, was here. I was, was here grinding. That wasn't vacation. That was going to another sporting event. And A, that was my fiftieth birthday. That's something special that happens one time in your life. Well, some people it's only once for getting married, but this is my second. Yeah, honeymoon. as I, I didn't, say, I this didn't, is his second honeymoon. No, no, not so special. I didn't do a honeymoon the first time. Doesn't matter. Second marriage. So, so what? Like five years when you're on your third, all of a sudden oh, it's, it's going to be like, oh, I got to go to. I'm going to the Poconos. Well, well, I mean, it's close to home. Uh, real quick, because we only have a minute. Our our, our people don't even know what the Poconos I are. I know. By it's, the way. it's very beautiful there. If you want to go check it out, Flamingo Kid, check out the movie. Um. We're supposed to go to Japan. What? We're done? We're, yeah, we're supposed to go to Japan, but uh, the sea, there was a lot of stuff going on in Japan this time of the year, so we picked it out perfectly. My wife has the entire month of September and beginning of October off. That's how long she is off, paid from Kaiser. So she's off, so we're going, we're going to Iceland for eight days, and then we're going Wait, to- Wait, we can't find nurses, but she's off for a month? Uh, she ha- hey, when you plan us a year and a half, 
Uh, you have pl- they have plenty of time to staff people to fill in. Wow. So eight days in Ire- uh, Iceland, five in Ireland, and I'll be back on the. I'll be back for the last home stand or last three games. I gotta be honest with you. I heard Iceland, and that didn't say honeymoon to me. But you're saying it is. Uh, no, well, it's I- beautiful. It, yeah, it's beautiful there. I can't wait. Um, I'm, I'm interested in pictures because I think Iceland. I think cold ice. Yeah, so there's a lot of cool waterfalls, um, a lot of historic stuff we're gonna do. Can't wait. My wife wanted to go to Ireland, so I've never been there. She's been there, so we'll see. A lot of castles we're gonna go check out. Now, I- a lot Ireland. Of beer drinking. Uh, yeah, Ireland doesn't say honeymoon to me. No, 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 either. I, tr- I Iceland. I'm here, and you're telling me lagoons and stuff. Yeah, yeah, okay, we're, yeah, I'm we're doing in. the lagoon next week. All right. What time's this game? Uh, five oh five, so four or five pregame. You know what's great about doing the show from the road studio? You can just take one headset. I up just and put turn another. it. On. I don't have to like leave the field, walk up the steps. By the way, the elevator at the Coliseum was out for two days. Oh, good thing I didn't work those days. Oh. <laughs> now st- the stepping part that not a problem, right? Need exercise. It's the I've got places I got to be. I my time. I'm a time. I can't be late. If I'm late, the broadcast doesn't start. True. And then I had the season ticket holder event, and it's just it's it's it was a mess. Uh, Stu, though, if there's gonna be a guy that you're gonna honor that's not in the Baseball Hall of Fame, because you know some some organizations said, hey, you got to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame to get this. He's the guy. Yeah, just like the Giants still with Barry Bonds. He's not in the Hall of Fame, but they they honored him. I get what you're saying. I'm not comparing them. I'm just Bonds saying is a, there's a there's a different reason why Bonds is not true. There. I, but I'm I just, would say Will Clark. Okay, good one. Yeah, Will Clark. They retired his right. They retired his jersey earlier this year, and he did his whole "I'm a giant" and the fist pump in the air. I watched the speech. It was on. It was on TV one day, so I watched it. He's a really good speaker. So. Just listen to him talk about. This. I'm telling you, I waited in my whole life there, for something like this. LSU guy. Right? Or was no, Mississippi, Mississippi State. State. But he's from Louisiana. All I know is I had to work at NBC with Dave Stewart the day of the Will Clark thing and to watch everybody be so giddy over it. My 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 question was this. Should I say this? Uh, we're running out of time. Should I say it? I'm going to say it. Really? Will Clark? You're, you're retiring his number all time, Will Clark? Really? I made the argument that he's not even the best player to wear number 22 for the Giants. Who's the best number? Who's the other one? That'd be Pittsburgh Pirates legend Andrew McCutcheon. Number's very comparable. I'm not saying Will Clark wasn't a good player. He was a fantastic player, but retire his jersey type? Like Stu, World Series champion, World Series MVP, all-star. I mean, he's got it all. Will Clark? Really? You're going to retire his number? I don't make those. That's that's Larry Bear and just that's her decision. Just saying. Just saying. And I wasn't the only one saying that that day. Not, Stu didn't say that. I'm just saying there were other people we were, like, watching all these because NBC's littered with giddy Giant fans, and we're just like, really? You're in? Yeah. What's next? Matt Williams? Robbie Thompson? Big Marine? Robbie Thompson? I mean, he comes, to, he comes to the ballpark nine times a year, so, you, I mean, you theoretically could do it with, when just, he's there with Bob. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. All right, coming up next, the number's 12. 12 wins and you don't lose 100. Starts next. A's, Rangers, pregame. A's total access brought to you by Chevron. Next, we'll see you tomorrow, 2 o'clock. Thank you for watching A's Cast Live. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. The Coliseum has gone by many names, but none better than The Last Dive Bar. Hi, everyone. Ken Korak here, and my friends at Last Dive Bar are helping us celebrate our longtime home. Last Dive Bar has the most unique merchandise for all Oakland baseball fans. T-shirts, sweatshirts, the Ray Fossey line, and my personal favorite, the lights have taken full effect. Visit their website at lastdivebar.com or follow them on social media at Last Dive Bar. All proceeds are invested back into the A's Community Fund and their affiliated charities. Go to lastdivebar.com. That's Last Dive Bar. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.